your host for Lacrosse Talk PM, Rick Solo. All right, welcome to a Thursday of Lacrosse Talk PM. Of- Kind of a historic Thursday, huh, Brad? It's turning out that way. Yeah. Brad Williams is going to sit in here for a couple minutes in the Wisdom Newsroom because he's been reading, because I've been doing podcasts and other things, and I'm getting ready for Trevor Sprague, lacrosse school board candidate, to come on. And uh, if it wasn't right before election, I might kick Sprague, but the election is coming up, and I'm trying to get all these school board members because I don't know how to exactly put this, Brad, but Donald Trump has been... Officially indicted? Is indicted, the, meaning he's charged. He's charged. Criminally charged. So does that mean we will? he will be mugshot and fingerprint? Is that what? I don't know <laughs> if they'll go that far. But, uh, you know, I mean, he is, in this case, supposed to be, he has been indicted by a New York grand jury, and this is specifically in the Stormy Daniels incident. Uh, yeah, uh, on whether he, on a $130,000 payment, the adult film star Stormy Daniels. This is uh, just before he was elected president in the 2016 election. Essentially, using campaign funds as hush money, I think, is the general idea there. Right. You can't and do that. Uh, Trump said his reimbursement of the payout was legal expenses, but uh, there are there are problems with that, uh, you know, the legality of that. And this is one of one of uh, several different things that people have been investigating Donald Trump for. Yeah, there's only and three other is, ones that we could get the we could right. get, we could do this show maybe three other times. Trump has been indicted on the, the, the election be, but this the is, election scheme in Georgia. Okay, but Brad. it is historic because this is the first time that a president of the United States, former president, has been criminally charged by a grand jury with something. All right, Brad's in here. I like to I like to I, pick, I like yeah. to pick your memory. So can you right. compare this to anything in history that would even come close to a president being "Quote unquote arrested." Nixon and Watergate. That's about the closest that you can come. At, okay, at least in our in recent memory, and, and maybe there's something back in the 1840s that we, <laughs> I, I can't think of. But uh, I mean, Nixon was uh, was very close to that, and uh, he he resigned before being impeached. He uh, he was. Uh, they brought charges of impeachment against him, and within a couple of weeks, he resigned. Yeah. So it never got to the impeachment stage with him like it did with Bill Clinton, like it did twice with Donald Trump. But beyond that, Nixon was never charged with a crime. No. In fact, in in, in the Watergate, he was an unindicted co-conspirator. Okay. That some people, uh, that's how they declared Do you think back like, then it was just one of them things we're not going to do that to a, a former president? I or think a president? that up until now, that's always been the case. It's like you can't do that to a president. We don't do that sort of thing in this country. They might do it in some dictatorship off in, in South America, but they don't do it in USA. We don't arrest presidents because they're above the law. Um, or, yeah, or but, but that's president. the question is how what what has to be done by a president or a former president or anybody at that level of government to make it serious enough. It's like we just can't ignore this. You may be the president, but this is serious. Right. And some people would say hush money to a porn star is something people do every day. But I think it's what <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Maybe not a porn star, but like hush money, hey, don't tell don't don't tell my wife that, you know, I cheated. Mm-hmm. Um but the the money the money that was used is kind of the thing in question here, I believe. I will be honest, I have not deep dive into this. UW Lacrosse political science professor Dr. Anthony Chergoski will be on with us tomorrow. We could we will probably spend some time right. on this, you know, barring but he he's going to be more of an expert here than either of us. Sure. Yeah. But I like to pick your brain based on the historical, you know, because, aspect of this. Right. At least in uh, the last 50, 60 years, 
this is uh, uh, Nixon's about the closest to come to this. All right, that's Brad Williams coming up on the show. Like I said, Trevor Sprague, he's a lacrosse school board candidate. He's one of eight people running for school board, and four of them will be chosen to be on the school board. It's it's a huge number. I don't. It, it would be three, but we had one resign. So the top three candidates. The top three vote-getters in the election will take full three-year terms, and then the fourth person in the election, the, the fourth person, the fourth vote-getter will get a one-year term, and they might have, they might have to do this all over again uh, next year. But we have four open seats, and, and we had, uh, I, I don't know, there's, there's some historical facts to that as well, because we haven't uh, had that many open seats in quite a while, so... Almost uh, like half the school board will be new, which is pretty interesting. Uh, 608-785-7914 is the talk and text line. Donald Trump officially indicted. First ex-president charged with a crime. That's the headline from the AP. A Manhattan grand jury has voted to indict Donald Trump on charges involving payments made during the 2016 presidential campaign to silence claims of an extramarital sexual encounter. The first ever criminal case against a former U.S. president and a jolt to Trump's bid to retake the White House in 2024. Now that 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 part is interesting. A jolt, a jolt to Trump's bid to retake. What is jolt? Because would because some might argue this will help Donald Trump to retake the presidency. Jolt. I feel like jolt would be good. I'm gonna I'm gonna Google it. Jolt. A push or shake someone or something abruptly and roughly. No, an abrupt, rough or violent movie. No, that's not it either. Um, I feel like a jolt. I th- feel like this will be a jolt to his campaign in a good way. Maybe in in some regards, I think uh, Republicans will will be more embattled to fight for Donald Trump because he's been arrested. It just means that uh, Dem- you could call it Democrats are going after a former president, uh, you know, for something that uh, he you know he spent some money to keep somebody you know quiet. I don't know. Anyway, it's not my thing. It's not my thing. I haven't read about it enough to, to even care because it's just out of my hands. Like, they're going to do what they're going to do, right? Like, what are you, you going to do? Are you sit there and worry about it all the time? There's a school board candidate coming up next. There's a school board election on, on your ballot, and the election ends on Tuesday. Wisconsin Supreme Court election, that's way more important. It's way more uh, impactful to your life than anything that uh, these people are doing with presidencies and whatnot. So we'll be back. Trevor Sprague coming up. All right, welcome back to the Crosstalk PM. 608-785-7914 is the text line. If you have a question for Trevor Sprague, I'll try to read it. Sometimes we just get to talking, and then I... Or or the email is a book that I can't read, but um, every once in a while, I'll be like, oh, yeah, the text line. But I appreciate the text because I, I like to think about them as I go into the next interview. So Trevor's on with me. Now, I'll give you a little background on, on Trevor. He's a, he's one. First of all, he's one of eight candidates running for lacrosse school board. Four of them will be on the school board after the election. I don't know when you officially take office, uh, Trevor, but um, office, is it called office? I don't even know. Uh, his, his career, Trevor is a visiting assistant professor of rhetoric and composition at UW-Eau Claire. So I imagine, Trevor, you get to make a nice little drive every day, huh? 
Yeah, I get to go up over the hill through Arcadia and uh, try to keep my poor little Prius uh, on the road with all the winds <laughs> up there. But it's a, it's a nice drive. Uh, he grew up in Lacrosse. He went to Hinchin, Longfellow, and he was a Central grad in 2003. And then right now he has uh, one child uh, in Emerson Elementary. You have three kids, but they're not old enough to go to school yet. But you have one kid. Well, the two of them are, and one kid at Emerson. Is Emerson on the chopping block? We always talk about the elementary schools. No, the middle schools are on the chopping block, right? Well, I, I mean, that's that's a tough question. I, I don't. I obviously don't know all the internal workings of you know the district decision making right now, but um, I know that there is this you know commission coming together. Uh, it's going to be composed of a number of different community members who are going to assess kind of all the buildings, but I believe they're starting with looking at the elementary schools. And, and yeah, I mean, uh, Emerson is the, the oldest of the elementary schools, I believe. How how much of this do you have to do, in, in, in especially if you're going to be on the lacrosse school board, but you want to go into running for school board informed because, you know, you, you want to know if you want to be a part of this. You had to go into that, I'm going to run because all these things, and, and then you have to get, figure out all the background. I mean, this seems like a very important time to have a very competent lacrosse school board uh, at at the helm based on everything that the district is going through and wants to go through. Yeah, I totally agree with that. I mean, and I would argue that all the time is the time for a competent <laughs> school board. Uh, <laughs> but I think, you know, I think especially now, and, and this is such an interesting race because, you know, there's there's four open seats. Um, that's, that's practically unheard of, right? Um, so there is... One way or another, there's going to be a lot of change on the board, regardless of who, you know, uh, of who who is elected. And I think all of us um, will face a little bit of a learning curve on things. But yeah, you're you're exactly right about like when I decided to run. Um, I, you know, I'm in, I'm in education. I'm interested in education, and I, I I jumped into the race largely because I'm just getting started with my family and our journey in lacrosse schools, right? And and so I'm really invested in in the long-term health and future of, of all of our schools. And so, um, yeah, I, I, I've been doing a lot of homework and, and getting my head around a lot of complicated questions for sure. As a central grad, I throw this out there because most of the candidates, maybe all of them, I, as like I interviewed seven of you now, um, as a central grad, when the, the new high school consolidating the old uh, central and Logan to ch- kind of flip those to middle schools and then build a new high school on the south side? Are you a guy that goes, oh, no, I don't want to see Central disappear as a high school? Uh, you know, that's funny. I, I, was, I kind of joked with my wife a lot about how, why is, why is there no Save Central campaign in, in the fall? It was all focused on Logan. But I think that's, that's because, obviously, you know, the north side was really concerned about what would happen, and rightfully so, um, to be fair. But, um, I mean, yeah, I was a little nostalgic about it, um, and, I, and I've talked to some of my, my old teachers and, and old friends about it, but um, in, in the end, I want great opportunities and what's best for our students. So if, if a new building is a way to provide that, I'm willing to look at, you know, what that looks like, even if it means, you know, I have some, some heart pain, I guess. <laughs> Yeah, in my head, the the timing of building a brand-new high school and the price tag of the high school, if you just compare it to the rest of the state, it was the highest one in the state on the referendum ballot last election. Mm-hmm. And it, it, the, the, the building materials, I think it was even just kind of a bad time to build, so all the timing wasn't great. But in the grand scheme of things, having one brand-new high school in lacrosse, in to my head, if you can pay for it, 
And it's it would bring it would attract students to come here, I think, because we're talking about declining enrollment and the way schools are paid for is with higher enrollment. So in part um, and, and then it would be a better learning facility for students. So, the you know, obviously that comes at a cost. But I don't know. What's your opinion there? Uh, well, I think I share your opinion to an extent. I mean, if I if I had my ideal world, I would build floating palaces in the sky for every level of our students, right? And fully stock and, you know, and give them everything they could possibly want. Um, And and what's unfortunate about the process we had to go through is, well, first of all, our our demographics, we know that, you know, there's just not as many students to go around and that poses a real challenge. Um, And, and that lacrosse is long and skinny and we can't, we can't change our geography. And if we're looking for, what was it, 40 or 50 acres for a school campus, like that's, that's a real limitation. And that, that was, I, I think, a, a real problem with, with the site selection process, certainly. But, I mean, if, if we could find a location that fit everybody's needs and build a really magnificent school there, I'd be all for it. Uh, we're talking with Tre- Trevor Sprague. He's one of eight candidates running for lacrosse school board. Uh, okay, so... As, as a potential school board member, what do you see as, you know, do you have like a top three, a top five of biggest issues that I, uh, you know, that, that the school district would be going through right now that, that you want to be a part of? Yeah, um, well, I think my top one is, is something that most of the candidates, I think all of us have talked about with you on, on air and, and most of us have addressed in our public statements. Um, and as I get out in the community, as I've been talking to people and connecting on social media, I, I hear a lot of frustration with how things are being communicated, right? And, and that the appearance, whether or not it's, it's truly a lack of transparency, but it, even the appearance of, of difficulty in accessing information, of difficulty in getting answers to depressing questions that, that the community cares about, that, that is a problem that needs to be addressed. And so I'm really interested in that. And I think, I think the, the fall referendum is a good example of, of, of both the you know, the limitations, the constraints that the school board works under in, in communication, because they started with, you know, those two community surveys, which showed general kind of support for, for the idea of consolidating the high schools. But the, the response rate of surveys is tragically low, right? And then we can have as many information sessions and listen session, sessions as we want, if people can't get to them, if it's not reasonable for them to, to take time away from work, family, or, or to travel across town to attend these sessions live, uh, that's, that's a barrier to people feeling like they're being communicated with as well. well uh, what, so I, think, I think there's a number of issues around. Were there not enough sessions? Because I feel like there were some online, there were some in person. I don't feel like the, yeah. the community couldn't get to them. I, I feel like maybe some of the community, eh, I don't really want to go to that. I'm just not going to be for well, it because it costs $195 million. That's it. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I think that's, that's fair. I, I don't know that it's a question of how many sessions there were. I, I think it's a question of accessibility to, to the sessions and to the, to the information, right? Not everybody necessarily has consistent Internet access or, or the, you know, the tech skills to be viewing things online. Not everybody has consistent transportation. Um, and like I said, not everybody has the time away from, from work or family I mean, if you're if you're a single parent 
you know, with kids at home in the evening trying to get everybody into bed at the same time as these listening sessions are going on. What what are you meant to do? You bring your kids to the listening session. They will fall right <laughs> asleep in the bleachers. Have you never done this? Yeah. <laughs> no, my my kids would, would find a way to, to break something, I think. Oh, yeah. Well, they, I mean, or, or make the session a little bit more interesting because they're running around or something like that at – um, but when you when you say you wanted to bring transparency back, uh, is there are there you know we could do top ten lists on all of these, but is there things? Oh, you know right. what the the district isn't very transparent here or there. Um, yeah, I mean I, I'm I'm interested in in pursuing a couple of things. So there's been a lot of hay made recently about the uh, the workshop sessions where you know where the regular board meeting uh, uh, kind of ends and then the, they retire to a different room and go to the workshop sessions. And while those sessions are open to the public, they're not televised. And a lot of people have been really frustrated with that. And I think that, I think there's maybe, I don't, I don't know for sure. I think there's maybe a good reason why they have those workshop sessions rather than trying to hash things out in the regular board meeting. And that's because Robert's rules of order are really, really strict and really kind of uh, boring to work through. And, and we need a more open-ended format. But I don't think there's any reason why we wouldn't want to see the workshop process made more transparent as well. All right. Yeah. After every school board meeting, which is which is on YouTube and you can go back and watch any of those on mm-hmm. YouTube. Um, right. they, they do this workshop in my head. When I, when I hear workshop, too, I'm thinking like in shop and in high school and they're like they're working on things. But that's not what it is at all. <laughs> Um, it kind of, it's like, it's, it's asking policy questions. It's, it's reviewing, it's reviewing the statistics, the numbers, the, the money that we have in front of us and asking questions about like, you know, is, is there something we're missing? Is there a better statistic to look at to try to help us guide this particular decision? And I think that's important work, but there's no reason it can't be more accessible. All right. When we come back, uh, we'll continue this conversation with lacrosse school board candidate Trevor Sprague. He did. He kind of spoiled it. He gave us his, his top priority: transparency. Uh, we'll get. We'll get the second and third and, and fourth ones on the list. Also, we might want to talk about endorsements here uh, as well. Trevor has been endorsed by the uh, right. You've been endorsed by the Lacrosse County Democratic Party. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I, I have a number of endorsements, all of which I'm really proud of, and I'm happy to talk about. All right, we'll be back. All right, welcome back to Lacrosse Talk PM 608-785-7914 is the text line. You got questions for Trevor Sprague. He's a lacrosse school board candidate, one of eight candidates running for four open seats, so not even an incumbent running. And um, we we're, we're trying to break down some of the tra- some of the priorities Trevor would see with uh, being a, a, being on the school board. Some of the priorities with the lacrosse school district. He said, "Bring transparency back." That was his other one. Um, along with that transparency issue, um, a lot of candidates have brought up tr- public trust. I see. I feel like these kind of go hand in hand. Uh, where, where are you on on how the public views? And I, I don't know where the public trust is is uh, lingering here. Is it with the school board? Is it with the school district? Is it with administration? Is it all of the above? Go ahead. It's uh, you know I, I think it's hard to pinpoint, and I, I don't. I can only speak to what I have experienced out in the community, what I've heard from people. Um, you know who I'm actually talking to, and I think it's fair to say that there there is a little, there are some trust issues here. Um, I don't know that whether it's directed, you know, at the superintendent more or the board more or the whole thing. Um, but but I think it also goes back to the issue of communication, right? So 
the, the, the current, the upcoming rather, I should say, um, operational referendum is, is an important, I, I think it's a, it's a touchstone for this, right? So in the communication around, you know, how much money is being allocated, what's the impact on the tax rate, and then how is that money being divided? And, and then, you know, I, I've heard you asking for this pie chart, right? And it's, well, it's 55, 25, 20. Uh, so there's three sections of the pie, right? Um, and I, but within that, those are general allocations. So there's this question of flexibility. And I think people are wondering, why can't we get some more specific amounts within those specific categories? And that does create a, a trust issue. Is, do you and think maybe the district doesn't have the specific amounts or it would just be, or, or no, we're not digging deep enough or it would just be like a lot of, like you, you start getting into specifics and you'd be like, okay, well, I don't care anymore because it's too specific. Yeah, I think, and I think that that last point is absolutely true that, you know, there's certainly there are some people out there who want an itemized list of everything. I don't think that that's broadly true of the community. Um, and it takes a lot of work to, to make and prepare and provide that. And Patty Sprang, you know, does, a, does an amazing job on the board uh, uh, providing detailed financial information in particular. But, but to, to the other question, do they not have these things? In some regards, my understanding is no, not immediately, because some of those costs are things that occur over the course of a year. And so the general allocation is important in providing some flexibility. And so I was at, I was at the last meeting just the other night, the last listening session on the upcom- upcoming referendum. Yeah, and let's just, and let's just bring it up, Trevor, real quick. It's a six-year sure, yeah. six $60 million operating referendum. The first year would kind of combine with the operating referendum that goes on right now. An operating referendum is kind of like what pays the bills for the school district, pays the teachers, and pays for the lights, I think, is the easiest way to say that. And, um, yeah, go ahead. That's, that's what that is. That's, but, but it's on the ballot. Yeah, that's, that's, exactly, that's exactly right. It is, it is absolutely crucial support. And I, I will say, you know, just right off the bat, I am supporting this referendum. Our teachers are supporting this referendum. The LEA was posting on their social media some really compelling kind of testimonials from teachers uh, just today or the day before um, asking for people to support this referendum. It, is, it provides critical funding to keep the services and programs that we already have, right? Um, and that's and so I urge everybody to, to support this referendum this you know this spring, regardless of who you vote for for school board. It's super important. But on the on top uh, of that, the the, the money that the, the sixty million dollars, I think it ends up being like ten million dollars a year for that six years or five years. Um, we right. don't, we the, the district doesn't always know exactly where all the money is going to go to because things change, right? Uh, yeah, I think I think that's true. And and again, I am still, you know, in the early stages of, of getting my head around the whole the whole puzzle of, of school financing and district financing. But so I'll give you an example. So um, when we look at the allocations, one is personnel and programs and one is student support, right? There's about thirty three million dollars for personnel and programs. That's that's paychecks for teachers um, and and existing programs um, like probably, you know, band and art and orchestra and those kinds of things. And then student support is more like um, counselors um, and social workers in schools, right? And, and one interesting category of that I asked Dr. Engel at the referendum about was reading interventionists. These, these are reading specialists who provide probably one-on-one support to students to, to help them develop their, you know, in, in their literacy. And my question was, well, if, 
is that a program or is that a person, right? Is that, is that a student support or is that a personnel? And, and how, what's, what's the decision-making in, in which part of the funding that comes from? And, um, you know, I, I didn't get a, a totally clear answer on that, but I think it spoke to the need for that flexibility. So, for instance, if they use all 55% of the personnel funding on paychecks and, and that reading interventionist would have been paid from that, the flexibility allows them to draw that funding from student support if there's money there for it. Um, you're supporting okay, that made sense. Yeah, no, definitely. You're supporting the referendum. Uh, the referendum comes at an interesting time because we're coming out of a referendum that went that failed by 70 percent of the voters. And I think some of that under do you feel the district is doing a good job of going that's buildings. This is operating. This is like teachers and students referendum. This one's essentially more maybe more important for the day to day operations but the, you know, like maybe, and you talk about public trust, so trying to get this thing passed, do you think the district's doing a good job of, of explaining that and promoting this in, a, in the right way? I, you know, I think, I think the community does largely understand that there's a difference between these two referendums. And, and it, in part, that's because we've been, we've been having these operating referendums for, you know, periodically every, every five years or so for over a decade, right? So we're more familiar with that. And, and the last time we built a new school was the Northside Elementary, which, you know, which was some, some time ago now, uh, a few years anyway. And, and I, I do think people understand that difference. Um, what I think is less clear in many people's minds is, is the communication around the cost and the impact and everything. We're speaking with Trevor Sprague. He's running for lacrosse school board. He's a visiting assistant professor of rhetoric and composition at UW-Eau Claire. So he makes that drive, I believe, three times a week. Uh, he's a lacrosse resident, a lacrosse native, uh, went through the public school system here, and he has three kids, one just starting to go through the public school system. Um, you're, you have, you, we mentioned endorsements. The, the one that I know because I, I speak with William Garcia, the lacrosse county Democratic Party chair, so I've I seen that you are endorsed by them. Um, you said you have a bunch of other endorsements, uh, but this is this is a, probably a new thing for you. you. You announce you're running, and then all of a sudden you, you get a bunch of different groups coming at you, right? That's exactly right. That was one of the biggest surprises for me. Almost almost the day or the day after I filed my, my nomination papers, you, you just get starting bombarded with, with these email requests and, and interview requests and things like that. And, and it, really, it really hit fast. And uh, but, but yeah, I, I'm, I'm really proud of all the endorsements that I've received. I am immensely grateful for the support of, of so many members of our community. And most of my endorsements are the, the, the largest level of endorsement I have is from state level. Um, that would be from like the, uh, the AFL-CIO, right? Uh, it was really cool. I was, when I was going to pick up my son from daycare the other day, I saw one of my yard signs was up in the electrical workers uh, union building. And that was kind of neat <laughs> to kind of see that pop up around uh, in areas I had never expected before, but um, yeah, but I, you know, I've been endorsed along with Jerry Wachek and, and Jeff Jackson by the LEA, our teachers union. Um, that that was probably the biggest one for me, um, knowing, knowing, you know, that I care about public education, and that means first and foremost caring about making sure that teachers can do their work and are supported and are effective. Um, that was a really big endorsement, and then um, yeah, the the cross. Uh, County Democratic Party did endorse me um, based on a questionnaire that they sent out. And uh, I actually just on Tuesday, I was really happy to receive the endorsement of a group called FAIR Wisconsin. Uh, They are a group that is committed to uh, supporting and protecting our LGBTQ um, youth around the state. 
um, and in our schools in particular. And, and that is one that's really important to me because, you know, when we talk about school safety um, for all of our students, that all is really important. That part of what I mean when I talk about in, uh, safety is ensuring a safe environment for our LGBTQ students, for our students of color, for students who do not necessarily um, have the positive experience that I had and that, and that many students coming more from the mainstream culture have. Did you get any endorsement requests and you go, mm, I'm good, no thanks? You get anything like no, that? No, I didn't. I didn't get any endorsement requests from groups that I, you know, that I wouldn't take it from. And I don't want to spend a ton more time on endorsements, but I will say that there was a there's a group called the 1776 Project. You can go look it up. It's it's it doesn't yep. seem to be cohesive with what the Lacrosse School District is doing, but um, they they put out a couple of names in the school board race, and those names those people are are trying to disassociate with that group. Uh, so it sounds like they endorsed them without their permission. Um, it, it was kind of a weird thing, kind of a weird story that's going around. And you got, you literally got a flyer in the mail, right, or a text message from that group. I, we got both. We got both. We got the flyer in the mail, and my wife got the text message the other night. And uh, yeah, and I, I know, you know, both Scott Newmeister and Deb Sukla have have said they did not ask for this, and that I was really glad to see that. Frankly, I'm so happy that they weren't out there courting this group. This is a national. Uh, a political action committee, um, you know, that is dedicated to, they are pretty expressly anti-LGBTQ. They, they are in many of their policies and positions anti-black. And, and there's, it's, I, I would be really surprised if our community tolerated that. And so I was really glad to hear Scott talking about it on your program yesterday. And I know Deb has been talking about uh, how she didn't, she didn't ask for or seek this out. Um, and she doesn't support things like book banning, nor do I, obviously. Um, on her Facebook page, but it, it's it's an interesting fact of our of our political climate right now that groups like this are seeking to influence things, and it, it just goes to show you why it's so important for every voter to to do dig into the background, find out where the money's coming from, um, find out where those endorsements are coming from, and and to ask questions. Well, like, well, Trevor, did you did you dig and see where the LEA money is coming from? That Lacrosse Education Association. I don't know before you accept that endorsement. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> the teachers, well, no, that, that is the a fair question. Money. And you know what? I I can't say for certain where the LEA funding comes from. That's that is that's egg on my face. I guess my assumption is it is from membership dues from the teachers. Could be the could be George Soros money. You never know. Um, <laughs> yeah, I and, I, and I only say that because uh, William Garcia and I are going to put the podcast out later today. We kind of deep dove into the 1776 project and uh, the Democratic Voice podcast. If anyone wants to uh, put that on their list of podcasts or go to wisdomnews.com, that'll be up there later tonight, hopefully. Um, I got to edit it first because, uh, yeah, just anyway. So uh, because Richard Uline kind of ended up being part of that situation, which is like the the Republican version of George Soros. Um, all right, right. So yep. let's get to actual issues that matter here. The, the old referendum we kind of talked about, the new referendums on, on the ballot as well as you, like you're on the ballot, the new referendum is on the ballot. Um, what, what other big issues? Because uh, new referendum, uh, the old referendum was for buildings, but now we have to, a, a big problem that the district's going to have is still with buildings. We're closing Lincoln Middle School at the end of August. That was that seemed like a tough decision. Some people not happy with that. Some people not happy with not knowing that that was going to be a decision up for Lacrosse School Board. Um, how do you feel about that? And just like the building situation. Yeah, I mean the building situation is the most difficult thing because 
you know, at the, at the end of the day, these are our schools. We're responsible for them, whether they're full of students or not. And, and there are real questions about how much maintenance and upkeep do we want to keep paying um, or do we need to explore, you know, better options. And I was at the meeting where they took the vote to decide on the Lincoln closure. Um, I, I appreciate the discussion that the board members were having, in particular two of the members um, who were considering has there been enough time to talk to the affected, the impacted community about this? Yeah, definitely. Um, and I think that was a, that was a very fair question. At the end of the day, I think this was an example of the kind of hard decision that we need our board to be able to make because kicking the can down the road and asking the community for more and more and more money to maintain things without taking any kind of decisive action, that's going to be, that's going to be untenable very quickly. People are not going to put up with that. Right. And, so, you know, a big part of solving the our building issue is is restoring the state level funding that we've been missing, right? Um, and if, if this is, this goes beyond our borders, it goes beyond our school board. But it is something I hope that more people are are pushing their representatives and their senators for um, in the in the Wisconsin State Assembly to to get a budget passed that restores. I, I think it's two hundred and fifty million dollars that Governor Evers proposed. Um, that will will start to make a big difference in local school school district budgets right away, and alleviate some of the need for these big operational referendums. Right? Yeah, we it's are, almost a, operating. My, yeah, go ahead. In my head, it's almost a slap in the face uh, you, because you said uh, the community is used to putting these operational referendums on the ballot every five years. I'm like, it doesn't have to be that way. We could go all in as a state on schools and not have to ask taxpayers for more money. We've been sitting on $7 billion in budget surplus. It's grown into that for well over a year. Since January of last year, we've been sitting on this budget surplus, decided to hold it ransom right. over a, a governor election, and now have decided to hold it ransom over a budget uh, budget talk. So we won't get an answer until next, you know, this coming July or August. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, anyway, rant over. <laughs> oh, no, I, th- I think you characterized the problem really well, but what's it's, it's hard to get our heads around, you know, $7 billion of state funding and then think about how that's going to impact us right right here at home. And But it is it is directly impacting us because it's part of the reason why we have to ask for such a big operational referendum, right? And if we can restore some of those state funding. And the other major drain on our resources, which I was really pleased that a community member brought up at the last listening session, was the voucher program. Um and, and what a drain on public school resources that is. Since, since its inception, it's, it's siphoned away, I think it's over $413 million from local school districts to serve a bare minority, like 10% of students across the states, when 90% of our kids are served by our public schools. And that, that's just a tragedy. And I completely understand the desire for parents to have more choices in education. You know, we have open enrollment. We have interdistrict transfer. We have great programs in the La Crosse Polytechnic and the SOTA programs. Cooley Montessori is awesome, right? And, of course, we have private schools all over our community. But to my mind, the simple fact is that the state should not be in the business of supporting private education, and especially because many of those schools are religiously affiliated, and, and they are not accountable to the public. They're not accountable to the taxpayer. They don't have to maintain the same standards that our public schools do. And yeah, they, I think I they, to, they often get sorry, the cherry pick. The, they often get the cherry pick the students that they want. Um, if they don't, you know, uh, I think, what is it, mental, 
a special ed, right? They don't have to dive into a special ed situation that the public schools often have to endure. Right, if, if they don't want to, yeah. And I believe there are some schools that, that sort of specialize in that. And, I mean, so it's, it's tough to paint all private – I mean, I don't mean to paint all private schools with, with that broad of a brush, I guess. But it's it, – I mean, private school is expensive, right? And that, that reflects a simple truth, which is educating students to high standards is expensive, right? And if, and if we're going to be providing state funding for things, it should be going towards 90% of the students. And if private institutions really have, really have the desire to make their services more available so that parents have a realistic choice to send their students there, then the burden should be on those private institutions to lower their costs or find ways of supporting them that are not siphoning money away from our private schools or our, excuse me, our public schools. All right, Trevor Sprague, one, one minute to go. Do you have anything you just, any last words before I let you go? Uh, just that, you know, I hope everybody votes. Uh, it's super important um, that, that we get out this, this, these spring elections. You know, uh, turnout is, is sometimes really low. This is a surprisingly big election, because, not just because of the Supreme Court, but because we have four open seats on our, on our school board. Um, and I hope that uh, our, our community members will choose to vote for candidates who, you know, who support our teachers, who want to see uh, strong programs, both in sports and music and art, um, extracurriculars, the kinds of things that students need to develop um, as whole persons, right, in preparation for uh, either college or career, and that is certainly where my priorities are. All right, I'll give you two more minutes on the president getting indicted. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> All right, <laughs> oh, I'll let man, you go. I thought, we were, I thought I was going to be the, the most exciting thing on the news cycle, and then you <laughs> dropped that on me. <laughs> Thanks a lot, Trevor. See ya. Thanks, Rick. All right, we got to take one more break. We'll wrap up. All right, welcome back to Lacrosse Talk PM. It's going to wrap up here. Appreciate you listening, texting. Uh, Sarge has a great question. Um, you know what? I didn't ask it. I, I read it and I was like, that is a great question. And, and then we got to talking and I just ran out of time. But Sarge asked, uh, this referendum is confusing in that there was no mention of a need for an operating, no mention of need for operating shortages when they were pushing the $195 million new school referendum. So, uh, that that's kind of maybe the transparency trust talk that the um, maybe the lacrosse school board candidates are talking about when when the school district wants you to approve a new high school and they talk about the new high school and the high school they don't often go also you know next year we're actually going to ask you for more money on an operating budget referendum but I think if the new high school referendum would have passed Sarge uh, they wouldn't they wouldn't bring this operating referendum. To, to the voters in this election because there's still an operating referendum left going on right now and not an, oper- an operating budget is that that went to referendum that's going on through next year still so this the, what what's happening right now is they're, they're going to overlap for a year because they just want to I think they just want to get, get 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 it down like so they don't have to worry about it now but if the the high school building would have passed and we can ask dr. Aaron Engel about that this is definitely a question for him. Um, I'm going to try to get him on next week after the election just to kind of talk about what's next and what happens and, and stuff like that. But Jesse Martinez, the Lacrosse Education Association president, will be on, on, he'll be on with me on Monday. But tomorrow we're going to talk with lacrosse, UW Lacrosse political science professor Dr. Anthony Chergoski. And you can all guess at what we're going to talk about. Of course, probably, most likely, Trump being indicted and the political ramifications from that. Thanks, everybody, for listening.